Welcome to a special episode of Sound the Foghorn, or There Are Giants, depending on where you are listening to this. Um, I'm, I guess, going to be the makeshift host today. Um, I'm Mark DeLuke. Um, This may be a very familiar voice or an unfamiliar voice, depending on how you're doing it. Um, I am the co-site expert over at Around the Foghorn, and today we are having a really a fantastic group of Giants Twitter and really Giants prospect Twitter people we, we've got together today. There's five of us. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a nine round draft of Giants prospects, including obviously the most recent draft class to kind of give everyone a sense of, you know, who are the new prospects in the Giants system, whose maybe stock has risen in the past few months, whose stock is declining um, and I'm just going to go through because we have some fantastic people. I'm going to start with Renzi Regadon. Uh, he is my colleague over at Around the Foghorn, a contributor there. He also has a Patreon you can follow or you can subscribe to called Giant Perspective. And you can follow him on Twitter at Giant Perspective without the E, G-I-A-N-T-P-R-O-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. Renzi, how are you doing today? Hello, hello. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Or at least here in the Philippines, good morning. <laughs> I mean, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for this this Giants farm system draft. I have my draft board ready. I have my depth chart ready, and I'm just ready to roll. Hey, yeah, we have the planet covered today. I am in California. Uh, Renzi's in the Philippines. We we got the continental U.S. Um, we're gonna go all around. So I'm gonna go right to the east coast uh with roger munter you can follow him on twitter at rog 61 rog 61 he has a sub stack you can subscribe to called there are giants roger you have the first pick and i know no one could guess who you're going to select um with that pick how are you feeling I'm, I'm feeling pretty good i i think i might stun the world uh with my giant underslot selection uh coming up first and in giant mentioning under slot and draft slots, I, that leads me perfectly into our man, Brian Recca. Uh, you probably know him as SF Draft Talk on Twitter or at Brian underscore Recca. Recca is spelled R-E-C-C-A. He also has a tremendous blog where he writes uh, really everything Major League Baseball draft. But he's obviously mostly focused on the Giants. Brian, I'm, I'm sure you have some prep prospects lined up, some senior signs for later in the draft. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, you're mostly a draft guy. The draft just happened. And now you're sort of looking back over the Giants farm system. How's it feel to kind of quickly, you know, enter some new waters? I definitely uh, had to get reacclimated with some people pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to grab some guys here. So thanks for having me. Of course. And last but certainly not least, Kevin Cunningham. You can follow him on Twitter at SFLunatic fridge and of course his giant prospect focus site giant futures you can follow that on twitter at sf giant futures kevin you know i guess i'll wrap up so you can tell us how are you doing this morning actually or morning afternoon night we don't even have a, t- a set time with this group so i'm just going to go with how are you doing i'm doing great in cyberspace it's always 5 p.m or wait is that song somewhere <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm doing absolutely wonderful today. Uh, you know, watching the Giants in first place, that's always going to be a great time. But watching all these prospects and having to choose my favorites, uh, it's going to be a tough choice here today. There's going to be a lot of fantastic selections. And we got 45 picks to get through. So I'm going to jump right in. And Roger, you're going first. So who's the selection and why? 
Well, I did for for a hot second consider Louis Matos just because I love his uh, joy de vivre, and and I'm a person who's not always bounded by the the strictures of rationality. But no, I went with, of course, Marco Luciano, a 19 year old who leads all low A classifications and home runs, one of the only two teenagers in in baseball with 15 home runs, exit velocities that are rivaled only by Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. Um, good, great walk rate, good strikeout rate, a guy who is all very, very likely to produce at the highest level. And I feel very confident taking him with my number one pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we'll just hand it off down the line. I don't know if there's much new to say about Luciano. I'm sure plenty of people will, will bring it in when we're going to have sort of to try to limit this for all of us. We're going to kind of have everyone sort of recap the previous picks when they're on the clock to avoid too much kind of crosstalk and, and confusion. So, Brian, you have number two in uh, which direction you go? You got Joey Bart, you got Elliot Ramos, you got Matos, uh, who Roger mentioned. Yeah, it was uh, it was Matos for me. I think just his ability to make contact at this stage uh, and his pitch recognition is just is just you know too much to ignore. Uh, I think there's going to be power that comes. I think he's been better in, in the outfield than a lot of people expected in center field. Uh, the, the sky's the limit, it seems like for this guy. So, I, you know, I, I, maybe this is kind of uh, you know prospect fatigue with uh, Bart and Ramos. Um, but at the same time, this just seems like he has a lot, like so many skills where he's going to be providing some value at the major league level uh, in, in the near future. So, yeah, this was a this was kind of no brainer for me, I, I felt. So, yeah, Matos is my guy. And, uh, yeah, everyone was ready for the Luciano pick and, you know, whoever won that prize of getting the first pick in the draft was, uh, you know, everyone wanted that. But I'll take Matos. I'm happy with it. Yes, there was a randomizer we did a day or so before we picked. So there was there was no frozen envelope situation in the lottery for <laughs> Roger as far as as far as we know. But uh, so Luciano and Matos, the two uh, teenagers from the 2019 International Free Agent signing class are off the board. Renzi, where are you going? You're on the clock. I mean, honestly, if Matos is still on my board. I would definitely pick him 100 over 100. But uh, it's just disappointing to see, but I, I mean, I have two, I have two guys that, uh, I really want to pick. It's either Bart or Harrison. I just went with Harrison because left-handed pitching is just so, it's just a rare commodity and left-handed start, starting pitching is just a really, really rare commodity. I mean, this guy, I mean, in my decade as looking at prospects and evaluating prospects. He is the best pitching prospect that I have ever seen since Madison Bumgarner. He has two potential plus pitches with his mid-90s fastball with plenty of run. Easily, get, easily gets whips above the zone and a slider that is at its best downright unhittable. He has a change up that is rarely thrown this year, but the best uh, but the best that I've seen him throw a change up, it's above average. I mean, control is, control is an issue with him, but with a track record of him throwing strikes as an amateur, I can definitely see him and see him throw more strikes in the future. And it's just an upward trajectory that I'm shooting here. I mean, I mean, honestly, there's no question that I would, I really love him. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think, you know, we're going to obviously get into the Giants previous drafts as well as the current draft as this goes on. 
But one thing, even if the first round picks maybe haven't panned or gone the way the Giants have wanted, you know, I think about Harrison is the guy, right? That the Giants clearly saved money early in the draft to get in the third round. They gave him a two and a half million dollar signing bonus to forego his commitment to UCLA. And he's really racking up strikeouts at, at Class A um, San Jose this year. And, you know, for me heading into the year, it was Luciano one and Matos two and, and I think that's sort of still where I'm at obviously Luciano's not going anywhere I think for anyone's list for a while um but but <laughs> Matos is, is really performing well I was hoping because you know Elliot Ramos and Joey Bart have been top tier prospects in this giant system since both of them were drafted and they're still there and I was kind of hoping that Renzi or Brian or someone would pick one of them to make my life easier and, and they didn't and so you know I ranked I'm sorry <laughs> yeah I know I ranked Bart ahead of Ramos coming into the season I debated sticking with it I ended up I'm gonna go with Elliot Ramos with um, the fourth pick here I generally speaking it's like I'm going to go with youth over um, even sometimes a little bit of production, you know, Bart, perhaps, and this isn't his fault. He's hitting incredibly at AAA Sacramento this year, but ultimately for me to really sort of reshape how I think about Joey Bart, he's at the minor league level. He's either going to have to cut his strikeouts by a lot, increase his walks by a lot, or he's just going to have to prove it at the big league level. He obviously hasn't gotten the big league opportunity this year and the strikeouts are still high. The walks are still relatively low. Ramos isn't doing great at double A, but this just feels like his first full season when he was at Augusta in a pitcher's league, not doing fantastic, but was still hitting about league average, was dealing with the dog days of summer, was holding his own. And then he got to the hitters league in the California league, what was then high A, and he just started tearing the cover off the ball. That's what I feel like we're going to see next year whenever he gets um, to triple A. So I'm going with, Elliot Ramos and the way we're doing our draft orders, we're going to do a snake, which means the order is going to flip. So while Roger picked first in the first round, that means he's going to pick last in the second round. And so that mm. means Kevin who ended up with the last pick in the order, will get to make back-to-back -back picks here at five and six, Kevin, where'd you go? Well, you know, since you had to make that tough decision and you had to take Ramos and Bart, that just means that I absolutely have to take Logan White. No, I'm taking Joey Bart. <laughs> um, I mean, how, how can you not? I, it's, I, I'm a little surprised he reached number five. I really thought I was going to get Kyle Harrison at this spot. Renzi, you took that from me. Um, but I can't complain because I really do believe in Joey Bart. There's a reason he was the number two overall pick uh, a few years ago. He is a cornerstone player at catcher. He's batting 333, nine doubles, eight home runs, and 38 games at Sacramento. But you know what he's also doing? He's doing the defense thing. And, I mean, he's working behind the plate right now, and he's worked with everyone from veterans like Scott Casimir to guys like Kravin Castro, who are barely got out of single A, have been pushed all the way up to triple A. So he's learning on the fly with a really, truly diverse pitching staff. I love seeing what he's doing. Uh, he's currently caught uh, eight, uh, eight attempted base runners out of 27 total, which is just short of that 30% uh, threshold that's average. And the way that I think we're going to see Major League Baseball change rules about stealing, make it a little bit easier for stealing uh, bases in the future, I really think having a catch with an arm like Joey Bart is going to be a big deal. So he's a cornerstone for me. I'm happy he came to five. There was no way he was going to get past me. 
Yeah, and at the you know before you make your next pick, Kevin, I do want to interject since this is our first round of selections are in. We know how Renzi feels about Kyle Harrison. I'm curious. I, I guess I'll ask this one to Roger. You know, heading into the year, there was the big four at the top. Luciano was clearly number one, and then Bart Ramos mm-hmm. and Matos. You saw in that in that next three, and it was a top four with mostly with Harrison usually ranking five or six. You know, maybe someone like Seth Curry, but for the most part, you know, it now is fairly clearly. I think this is the five best prospects. In your mind, is Harrison in that conversation with Ramos and Bart and Matos for you, or are you a bit more tentative on on uh, the young fireballer? Um, I you know I'm a pretty big Harrison fan, I, and I definitely do see that as the top five. Uh, as I've been kind of playing around with the post draft ranking, that seemed really really clear to me. And as soon as I got past Harrison, things got very fuzzy very fast. I would, I guess I put him in a slight separate tier just because of the attrition rate of pitchers. And I like the four hitters as hitters a little better, but to me, there is great clarity in that top five and great unclarity after that. And uh, for me personally, I certainly, I didn't, I don't have a lot of hesitation uh, questioning whether Harrison or Bednar should be the top pitching prospect in the in the system like i harrison's the clear winner of that comparison for me yeah and so just as things get murky kevin it goes back to you with with the sixth pick you know now we're kind of in a really noisy area the guys who were mostly ranked in that six to ten range for the giants preseason it feels like a lot of them haven't broken out dealt with injuries struggled where are you going oh you know you give me this d-backs draft it's really confusing but you know there, there were like Four or five guys I was really looking at here. Uh, um, I really like Pomeris, what he's doing in San Jose right now. He's really busting out and having a good one. But I I have to keep going with the first-round picks, and I uh, took Hunter Bishop. You know, even though he's been injured all season, and it's kind of a murky little situation with his shoulder, why he's been out for as long as he's been, that he's got that tantalizing combination of power and speed. He could be a 20 to 30 home run hitter, could steal 20 bases, and he's an excellent defender. He's got an above average arm, maybe not right field strength, but he's definitely got the range that he could put in center or right field. He could definitely handle left in the big outfields in the NL West, and I just can't pass that up. So that's that's the direction I'm going. Yeah, and, and that left me in a spot because I uh, was honestly pretty heavily – was expecting to take Ricardo Henaves with – my pick here that's I guess number seven uh, number seven but you know he just because he's a catcher I've liked for a while he's really hit after starting the year at low a really only because Patrick Bailey was at high a then Patrick Bailey obviously has since been optioned elsewhere and Henneves has stepped up and even though he hasn't matched the overall offensive production especially from a power hitting standpoint his strikeouts are still below 20 percent at high a and that makes you a bit higher on him but Sam Long is still here on the board I'm not, I mean, I think I'm with Roger in that to me, though, the top two pitching prospects in this or- organization are Harrison and Long. And obviously, Long is on the big league roster at this point on the injured list. But, you know, I felt like in a, in a matter of months, he shows up in spring training, he's flashing high 90s velocity, good feel, and a really good feel for curveball, occasionally flashing a, above average change up in there. I mean, I'm really 
uh, starting to become a believer in Long as a legitimate mid-rotation starter and potentially a bit more just because of the late bloomer nature of kind of how he's come together. So, you know, obviously, even though he's older, not a lot of track record, but um, I'm going to go with Sam Long here, and, and that hands the ball back to Renzi. Oh, I mean, honestly, I think with the next two rounds that we will have, I honestly think we will get a pretty good value because in my in my board, I have 12, 45 FB prospects. So definitely we will get good people here. So with my pick, I was honestly thinking only about three, only about three prospects. And it's Smith, it's Bednar, and it's Killian. I mean, I honestly love the two pitchers there, but I just want to take Schmidt because I just love the defense. I just love the defense. And and if I look at and if I look at hitting prospects, I only look at two things primarily: good defense and low strikeout rate. So uh, with Schmidt, uh, among Giants prospects at age 27 or below, with at least 200 plate appearances, he has the third lowest swinging strike rate and the second lowest strikeout rate. So that's pretty good, right? I mean, his numbers his numbers do look pretty 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 mediocre. But if you remove the abysmal May that he had, he's batting 299 with 869 OPS and five home runs. So that's pretty good. Couple with couple that with that low strikeout rate. So. I mean, plus defense and I mean, pretty, pretty decent offensive production. That's that's a pretty good combination to have a big leaguer. And I just really love Keisha Schmidt. I'm probably I'm probably the high guy on Schmidt than other people, but I'm just going to stick with Casey Schmidt at the moment. All right. So that's 2020 second round pick Casey Schmidt off the board and that hands it off to Brian. Okay, so for my second pick, I'm going with uh, Will Wilson. Uh, who is famously traded for, uh, you know, uh, pretty much nothing uh, to the Giants from the Angels right after he was drafted. Uh, you know, I, I kind of didn't really know where I was going to go with this pick. I, I considered uh, some guys like Pomaris and uh, also uh, Canario. But I think there's like, I think there's a level of certainty, I guess you'd say. Obviously, nobody's certain, but... I see like kind of like a Jed Jerko kind of player here with Will Wilson, uh, someone who can be like a two to three win player at the big league level. He's always hit. He's he was hitting for power this year. He hit, he's always somebody who seems to just gets gets more production than people think he's gonna do. And I think he's gonna hit for a lot more power than he's getting credit for. Is he's really quick to the ball. His hands work really well at the plate. Uh, I think his pitch recognition is better than people give him credit for. And I think he's going to fill an up the middle defensive position just from, you know, good defensive positioning that, you know, turns, you know, Marcus Simeon into a good shortstop, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Wilson here. And I think I'm going to get a big leaguer in, uh, you know, a year or two. So that's uh, that's kind of my thinking. We get a little certainty after taking Matos first. Yeah, definitely. Com- sort of contrasting the closer to the big league college guy with, the really young but really tooled up uh, teenager in, exactly. in Matos. So, Roger, how do you round out round two? So, I'm having a little bit of a quandary here. I have two picks and I have three guys I really want. 
Uh, and just to pull the curtain back a little bit, my strategy here, we have nine rounds to go through. I decided very firmly that I wanted to draft a lineup so that I could have a starting lineup at the end of it. And I planned on having one person at every position. And I really, at this point, want Ricardo Hinovas, um, who I think is growing by leaps and bounds this year. But the other two guys I want, I kind of can't walk away from. Um, I have been ride or die with Alex Canario for many, many years now, since the first time I saw him take BP when he was 17. Uh, he has just electric bat speed that produces giant power. And it's a big boomer bust profile, I understand. Um, he's had a really interesting year because you can watch him attempt to learn better plate discipline this year. He's, his walk rate is way up. Uh, and that causes him to get a little passive at times, I think, as he's trying to find that balance between, you know, attack and, and, and let it go. Um, the other guy that I, I took here, I'm going to take here is, is Jairo Pomares, his outfield compliment in San Jose who has, I think, uh, <laughs> he has no balance. He is all attack all the time. He really is attacking balls and has been absurdly productive uh, in a very short start to the year after being out with back problems. Uh, he's uh, hit nine home runs already in 27 games. He has over 20 extra base hits. He's got uh, a slugging percentage nearing 700. It's coming with a lot of strikeouts and not that much walk, but he is a guy who has already identified what pitches he can hit hard and is producing really, really loud exit velocities. Alex Canario isn't, I think, quite there yet. He's still working on what he can hit hard, but his ability to, to lift and separate with extreme velocity is second to nobody in this system. So I don't think I can walk away from either of those outfielders, and, and that's what I'm going to take. You know, Roger, I get a sense you really like bat speed. Yeah, Luciano, Canario, Pomares, three guys who have a lot of it. I think what's interesting, too, about this group is – Luciano and Canario are probably the closest in terms of like just pure bat speed power potential. Right. But Luci what makes Luciano where he is and Canario where he is, is sort of that feel for hitting you mentioned where Canario, it feels like as he's developing kind of is sort of take, I don't know, stumbling is the right word, but at, at times sort of stumbling through learning new habits. I feel like where Pomares is someone who you mentioned, he's still really aggressive, but even from the time he signed as an international free agent was seen as this player who was almost above his years and just really comfortable at the plate and in the field. Yeah, I think all three of those guys are, are excellent bat speed guys. I guess I should draft Alexander Suarez next because he's a, another one of these sort of bat speed goons in the in the in the system. Um, the I, probably the difference there is barrel control, and, mm -hmm. and it, it steps down pretty quickly from from Luciano Pomaros down to Canario. But I, I'm happy to have all three of those guys in my in my team bus. Definitely. So first round pick Will Bednar is still on the board, and Brian, I know he was your guy, one of your guys heading into the draft. You're the draft guy. Are you going to end his fall? Oh, yeah. I, this was I, – I was struggling between taking which will uh, <laughs> between second round and third round, which what order I was going to go. Uh, but I, I, felt like, I felt like Roger had a better chance of passing on Bednar uh, than Wilson, so I went Wilson first. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about Will Bednar a lot. If you follow me on Twitter or any of the things I write, I, I just think he – he has what it takes to pitch in the modern game today with his fastball his slider. And I think a lot of his flaws are going to be corrected really quickly in a pro organization. Uh, I think this is a mid rotation starter. And if not, 
Uh, I think just his two pitch combination is going to work in a bullpen role in the back of a bullpen and high leverage innings. So yeah, I, I was really happy to get him here. And uh, yeah, I just someone that I, I love watching pitching as well as, you know, just, he's also just really good. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to, happy to take the first draftee of this year. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things around Bednar is of course the fall of Khalil Watson, the prep shortstop who ended up going to the Marlins with the I believe 16th overall pick two picks after the Giants. He was a top five, top 10 talent. You know, Bednar is a great prospect and he's coming here at 12. If you hadn't taken him at 12, you know, he's definitely coming off the board in these first 15 picks. Where would you have been comfortable drafting Khalil Watson though? Had he been the pick? That's a really good question. I, I'd probably put him after like the, the first round guys for me, to be honest, okay. behind, probably behind, uh, maybe ahead of Harrison, maybe ahead of Ramos. I'm not sure, but you know, they're all in like a similar range, but, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to pick him at number two. I, I probably would have uh, considered it at least, but yeah, I think they're, they're all kind of like grouped together in, in a way, like a, maybe like a back like maybe like a mid top 100 guy in all of baseball, something like that. And that's kind of how I see uh, all these other guys that were taken in the first round after Luciano. So I don't know how other people feel about that, but that's kind of where I am on Watson. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would think that Watson would be in play anywhere between like the Matos and the Bart picks in our draft. Yeah. I would definitely probably take him before Bishop here for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would have taken him with that six pick uh, instead of Bishop if Watson were on the board. But yeah, say lovey. Yeah, that, that, that's how it plays out. Um, for time reasons, we're going to start sort of cutting out uh, in between picks. I think I'm going to say less here, and I'm going to let kind of people hand the ball off, or at least we'll give this a shot. Um, so, so uh, Renzi, uh, you're on the clock now after Bednar comes off the board. <laughs> Take God, nobody picked Caleb Killian. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to take him 100 over 100 right here. I mean, he's hands down the, the most dominant pitcher in the Giants farm system this year. I mean, among all Giants pitching prospects with at least 45 innings this season, couldn't through the most innings while having the best ERA, FIP, walk rate, opponent's batting average, and whip. I mean, he has three of the four things that I look for for a starting pitcher. I mean, he has a Mid-90s fastball that he can reach deep into his starts. He has excellent control of it. The strike zone, he controls it very, very well, up and down, in and out of the strike zone. He has a mechanics that is not pretty conventional. He has a pretty giddy up with this mechanics, so it's pretty hard to time it. The only thing that separates him, I mean, kind of pegs him down a little bit, is that his breaking ball, his curveball is only average at best, but I can definitely see him improve on it once he gets big league coaching. But everything else, he has at least a back end rotations in the big league role. And if he, if, he, if he can find his curveball in the big leagues, I mean, look out. He's at least a number three. I mean, even a number two at the very, very best. But this guy really impressed me this year. And I'm just really happy to take him with my third round pick. So, I mean, I'm definitely delighted. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know, you know, what I still obviously haven't gotten through my post draft rankings, but Killian, someone who 
I definitely am going to have to wrestle with because, you know, as you mentioned, that lack of breaking ball is weird. But, you know, it's not like he only has one pitch. Like, he's doing different things with his fastball. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, Bednar is obviously a different story. But I think Bednar and Killian going back-to-back is an interesting comp because, obviously, Killian doesn't have the draft pedigree. He's an eighth-round pick, but he's performed really well. He's at double-A. He's maybe a bit older than you'd like, but he's been really dominant. Bednar doesn't have that pro track record but is obviously a first round pick with you know plenty of pedigree in his own right. For me though, uh, next up, I mentioned Henneves on the last round. That's an easy pick for me here. Sorry, Roger, I'm breaking up your lineup. Um, but you know, to me, uh, I, I think he's going to be a top 10 prospect for me, probably top eight. I think it was him and Canario are two guys sort of that I was sort of going back and forth between. I think I ultimately opted for Henneves at the moment, but who knows if I look into him more, it, it really could go back and forth, but I'm getting uh, Ricardo Henneves at 15 um, and now giving it to Kevin for back-to-back picks. Well, you know, I had to go with some pitching at this point and uh, I had to go with the tall man, Sean Jelly. Uh, he's having what you call decent season in Richmond. He's 321 ERA, 13 walks, 56 strikeouts and 47.2 innings. His biggest struggle right now has really been more with his bat than anything else as he missed a little bit of time there. And, you know, Jelly is not a front-of-the-line rotation guy, but he's definitely a mid-rotation guy. And when you get into baseball, you look at the prices that some of these mid-rotation guys go, like Jeff Samarja. Having a guy like that is a pretty good guy to have. So I was really – I've really always been a fan of him, and I was happy to see him here. So I grabbed him. And then I decided to go a little young, and I hope I get this name right – Matt Mikulski, the Giants' second-round pick. Hey. Uh, yeah, I am just absolutely, uh, really, I like his delivery. A lot of doctors may not, but I do because there's a bit of deception there. Uh, you really have some trouble picking up what type of uh, pitch motion he's going to have with that quick snap-up. Uh, he's got a mid-90s fastball. That changeup should work really well. Uh, he's got a slider that scouts are a bit split on, so he's got some work to do to kind of prove that he can even stay a starter going forward. But out of the non-Bednar uh, pitching draft picks, he's probably the best bet the Giants got to get another starter out of this draft. And uh, I'm also loving one last thing about him, which is he's got a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get drafted as high as he wanted in 2020, and that's why he went back to school. So he really wanted to prove some people wrong. He saw some interviews uh, him saying that I like a pitcher that's got that sort of an attitude. So I'm looking forward to seeing him once he gets started here. Yeah, interesting to see Mikulski go this close to Bednar. I think he's one who I imagine the Giants think he's going to start considering they picked him, but he's one who feels like even could end up on the fast track as a reliever if they you know, think if he sort of stalls at a certain point. Um, my next pick, I'm going with Armani Smith. When he was drafted by the Giants, I mentioned this at the time. He just felt like really similar to their first round pick that year, Hunter Bishop, even though he went six rounds later. He obviously didn't have the exceptional season that Bishop did in the Pac-12. But in the Big West at UC Santa Barbara, which, by the way, is a, a, an incredibly pitcher-friendly conference with a lot of small ball teams, a lot of big stadiums, Smith was someone who had 
big power tools, a really good athlete, didn't really hit his first two years, then goes to summer league, rebuilds his swing, comes back, begins tapping into that power consistently. I was really curious to see what would happen in his first full season. Obviously, it doesn't happen last year. This year, starts at San Jose, absolutely tears the cover off the ball, gets called up to Eugene, where he's starting to pick things up. The strikeouts and swing and miss are definitely a concern. I think it's fair to say Armani Smith is kind of an older version of Alexander Canario, um, at this point, so similar mold of prospect. And that's why I think he's going a bit later. I was really hoping Jelly would fall here, but he doesn't. So I'm going with Smith. That sends it back to Renzi. I mean, four rounds in, and I'm still going to get a pretty good value out here with Patrick Bailey, the 20, 2021st round pick. I mean, Bailey's progressed offensively like really hard. I mean, PSA, don't look at Bailey's stats for this year. <laughs> but I mean, even with a 40 hit to at very best, I think he can still provide big league value because of his defense. I mean, his defense this year didn't really pop up, but it's still really, really good. I mean, his, his catch and throw skills is still sublime. His blocking is still better than Ricardo Henoves at this stage of this, of their careers. And I mean, I'm disappointed with Bailey, honestly, because of his offensive struggles all year long. But I still think that as a backup catcher, it's still big league value. And I mean, nonetheless, I still feel that 100% the Giants drafted the wrong catcher with their first round pick last year because I'm I'm a boy with Tyler Solstrom and I'm just really regretting that decision with the Giants. So yeah, Patrick Bailey, pretty good value at round four, to be honest. So I'll just pass it on to Brian with the next pick. Okay, so one thing I just wanted to, I want to go back to your Caleb Killian pick uh, for a sec, Renzi. If you look, if you look, so there's there's this thing on Fangraphs called Steamer, which does they pretty much primarily for fancy baseball used for like projections and stuff. Killian right now is being projected by Steamer, and they're one of the better projection systems for a three point eight ERA in the big leagues, which wow. would be pretty phenomenal for an eighth round pick uh and for someone with so few innings already Ooh, in his career so that's really a, good <laughs> that's actually a really really exciting when you think about it uh for my pick I, i'm gonna take gregory santos uh man this 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 went so weird i mean he, he came to the big leagues faster than i think anyone thought he really struggled he was struggling in the minors as a reliever then he gets you know suspended for I, I'm just guessing it was like some type of steroid. Uh, and uh, obviously that's not a good look. So he's, he's out for like 80 games or whatever. Uh, but the stuff was still big and we saw it. We saw the upper nineties fastball. We saw the slider and, you know, I don't, I'm pretty sure that, you know, probably starting is out of the question now, but this could be a power reliever, a late inning reliever. And, uh, you know, he could still get to, you know, get back to the big leagues pretty quickly here. So uh, I'll take him in the fourth round and, uh, you know, I hope he can uh, get back in the right track in a, in a di- bunch of different ways. So, uh, yeah, Gregory Santos, my pick. Uh, on to you, Rod. Oh, okay. So that is me. Um, so, you know, I was sitting here watching Bailey slide to me and slide to me and slide to me and, and, uh, I was ready to pick him, even though I really am with Renzi that I'm on sort of the regret train that that, that Bailey got taken over over Soderstrom. Um, and right when I was sort of mentally got my head around that, uh, Renzi took him off the board. So then I had to do a little <laughs> scrambling. Um, 
because I still am uh, trying to fill out my card with a with a with a full lineup, and I want to get a catcher here. So now with Hanova's gone and Bailey gone, I decided to do something a little bit crazy, and that is uh, reach down for 2019 international class signee uh, Adrian Sagaste, uh, who is only uh, I believe eight games into his pro career, but came with a ton of good scouting reports between the signing and um, when he started, uh, I was just talking to some scouts in, in Arizona recently who talked about how sort of good and clean his bath path is. He's grown a really good muscle in the last year since his signing. He's a guy who has a lot of international experience, uh, played for his, his national team. He actually uh, played against Kyle Harrison's team, USA team, uh, on a, I think they're 16 under international team. And he's a guy whose trend lines, sort of physicality trend lines have been going up, up, up since he signed. Um, he has a long history of sort of being a good catch and throw guy. So even though the defensive reports from, from Arizona are not the best, uh, I think that's probably going to work itself out. But I think the offensive potential there is really, really exciting. And I want him on board uh, my team as my catcher. And since I made that pick, I decided to then kind of go – full bore and grab uh, his complex mate, Iverson Artiega as well. Uh, Artiega is another guy whose trend line seemed to be going up. He was the highest uh, bonus signing for the Giants in the 2019 class, a shortstop out of Venezuela. Uh, extreme athleticism. His father was a professional basketball player. Mostly comes with a defensive reputation and not uh, a huge offensive ceiling, which made it quite surprising when he, he stepped up to start his pro career by, by smacking four home runs in four days. And uh, the, I believe 50% of his hits at this point are, are extra base hits. Now, the new field out of Papago Park is apparently something of a wind tunnel. So there's a lot going to be a lot of offense out there and we shouldn't read but too much into complex little stats anyway. But as I always say, it's better to succeed than to fail. So seeing the guy who's supposed to be a great defensive player at shortstop get off to a 380 start is not hurting my feelings any. I have him ranked in about the mid-teens for the system. So getting him here at, I guess, the 27th pick feels like good value to me. And now I have got a really strong middle infield of Artiega and Luciano, who, by the way, were the two top signings in back-to-back -back international classes that were pretty great. Uh, with Sagasti behind the plate, so I'm getting strong up the middle production on my, on my lineup. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand that on to Brian. Yeah, Artiega was going to be my, my next pick here. Um, yeah, I was, I was I was wondering if he was going to last to me, and I took Santos. I uh, kind of regret it afterwards because I wanted Nartiega. Um, I'll take Luis Toribio here. Uh, so he's kind of we're kind of in a similar territory with Santos, where it's kind of tracking downwards this year. But uh, I still think they're I still like the bat. I still think he could hit for power. I'm not sure. This is not usually a profile I'm super attracted to, but at, at this point, I, I you know I I feel like I have some level of uh, like, uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, like I'm familiar with him. So I'm, I'm kind of, kind of still on the bandwagon in a way, uh, with Toribio and Santos. Uh, I still think he's probably a first baseman, but, uh, you know, I believe in the bat and there's not too many power bats in the system. So, uh, that's going to be my pick and, uh, I'll move on to, to Renzi. 
Uh, I mean, to add on Arteaga, on Rogers pick Arteaga, I've, I've seen some recent footage of his couple of home runs and he definitely looks like he, he gained a good amount of muscle and he's, he's really, he's quite pulling the ball. So I think that drives up the home run rate up, but I think that the physicality, that the improvements physically are just a pleasant sight to watch because he's still a pretty good runner and a pretty good defender as well. So I, with my pick, with my fifth round pick, I, I'm, I mean, I think I'm going to reach here a bit, but honestly, I don't think personally I'm going to, I'm reaching here because I think it's really, really good. And it's Brett Auerbach. I mean, I listed him as a player <laughs> because I mean, the dude plays five positions, catcher, second base, third base, left field, center field. And over the course of the season, he's only had four errors playing five positions. That's pretty incredible, to be honest. And among, among, among players with age 27 or below with at least 200 feet appearances, he has a fourth lowest swing and strike rate. So that's pretty incredible as well. Uh, his, ISO, his isolated power look like a mirage because I think he has 40, 40 power at the very best, but he's a high contact hitter with, with, with pretty good bat control for his size and the defense and the speed, man. I honestly think that this guy is a big leader because of that role, because of his profile. And I really, really like that kind of profile, that defensive first, high contact, low strikeout rate, high, high makeup, high makeup people. And I just think that he's a big leader. So I think I'm reaching a bit with my fifth round pick, but if I'm going to do my top 30 post-ranked prospect list, it's definitely inside. And I think I'm getting good value here considering all the people that, all the prospects that have been drafted ahead of him. I think it's good value. So on to you, Mark. Yeah, yeah I like it, that pick a lot. Yeah, you know, I don't really, you know, our, our back social one of those where he's older. I think if he wasn't a senior, I think he was a senior last year. Um, could have returned, but obviously would have been his fifth or sixth year. So he's older for the level, but he's done really good. And again, it's the versatility, right? I think you mentioned 16 steals, can play catcher, can play center field, and legitimately too. I mean, it's just such a unique piece. It's it's such a very, right, like Farhan Zaidi, versatile plug and play, or, you know, if you go even to Evans when they were going after Ben Zobrist, he really fits that mold. But, you know, I'm leaning to upside here, and perhaps to, to my doom, but Seth Corey on the board here, you know, obviously he was probably right there with Harrison, if not just a shade below Harrison entering the year, obviously it hasn't gone well for him at high a, you know, after, you know, I think he's someone who probably really didn't benefit from the lost season last year from losing those innings. He made big steps from the first half to second half, but still had a pretty small margin for error. And we're seeing the cost of that this season where, you know, he's now rather than walking one guy every two innings, it's nearly one guy every innings. He's got a nearly six ERA. I think of even a FIP and stuff are still above five. But the thing is, he's still striking out one out of every three batters he faces. He's still relatively young. He's, you know, going to be 23 in, in November. You know, I just think, you know, he was someone who a lot of scouts thought he was going to be a reliever. I think, you know, picking where I am, if he is just a reliever, that's fine. But, you know, we've seen him take huge jumps before we've seen him struggle with command and then or struggle with, excuse me, control. He's not really at the point of dealing with command yet, but struggle with control and then it clicks in the gear. So I'm going Seth Corey here. Uh, over to you, Kevin. Well, I got to say, uh, 
this round has really disappointed me because I was hoping Artiego is going to fall to me. Uh, Roger, I should have known that you were going to take him. <laughs> um, I, I was really hoping that I could get a talk about Brett Auerbach because I do like that versatility. I'm just a little worried. I don't want to see a, a Eugenio Velez sort of illusion in high A right now, mm. but he's having a, a great season. I absolutely love him. That's understandable. Yeah. Kevin, but you know perfectly well you cannot leave a shortstop on the play- table with me around. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see about that. Um, so I I had to go pitching here. And uh, in particular, I want to look at the bullpen. And there are a couple of arms that I absolutely love in the system, even if they're not necessarily performing as well as they could be. And I'm going to start off with my D-back end pick here with uh, Camilo Duvall. And, I mean, his numbers don't look great in Sacramento. 5.68 ERA, 24 strikeouts to 14 walks in 19 innings at Sacramento, not including his big league time, which we won't talk about. Um, But, I mean, he really does have such a good fastball. And I love that arm angle he throws at. He's like a right-handed Madison Bumgarner with the way his arm angle is. And it's really got such a biting deception to it that if he ever gets that control of the fastball, and I will admit it's a huge if, you can really see why this guy could be so effective. Um, There's a lot to work out with him, but he got pushed a little bit fast, and he's always been prone to blowing up. So a little bit of patience with him. He's probably going to push to the end of his uh, options eligibility, but if he can make it, he's going to be a heck of a bullpen arm. And then I'm going to follow that off. I'm going to kick off the sixth round here with another 2020 draftee, RJ Dabovich, who really just absolutely blew away Eugene or high A baseball in Eugene. And overall, uh, 47 Ks to 11 walks in 23.1 innings between high A and double A. You can't not love that. And he was doing great in Richmond. He's kind of hit a couple of road bumps uh, in his last few weeks, but uh, mid, to up, uh, mid to upper 90s fastball, he's got this beautiful 80 spike curve. He's going to be able to get those strikeouts. Uh, he really looks like he could be the real thing working the back of that bullpen. And even though uh, three of the 11 hits he's given up have been home runs, you can really see a lot of potential there. So I'm loving these guys in the bullpen. I'm hoping we'll see uh, Gabe Kapler get to work with him eventually in the future, probably Dabovich a little bit before Duvall at this point, but we'll see how it goes. Mark, back to you. Yeah, Dabovich is, for me personally, and obviously to plug myself a bit, I actually got to talk to him a couple of weeks ago before the draft, and we just had a profile go up over and around the Foghorn you can check out. We sort of talked about how he's really refined his repertoire over the past year and a half, how he sort of used COVID the extended time to really up his velocity and find some more consistency. I think for me, he's probably the best reliever in the system at this point. Um, but, you know, I understand just sort of that that triple A beast is one that especially for relief pitchers, especially ones that struggle with kind of control and command. It's hard to, you know, put him, you know, even with Duvall or Santos's struggles, you know, triple A is a different animal that ultimately Dabovich hasn't faced yet. But speaking of that beast, you know, I want it. I really considered going upside here. I love Manuel Mercedes. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things. I love Perlander Baroa. Um, and you know, maybe even Eric Silva, the recent fourth round pick, but I'm kind of going the opposite upside here. I just think, you know, Matt Frisbee has been bad at triple A. There's no way around it. He'd tell you that. I think he's, he's allowed 12 home runs in 
you know, fewer appearances. His ERA is north of six. But, you know, this was a guy who was the best pitcher in high A in 2019. Had he not been called up to triple A, would probably still be the best pitcher in double A. And, you know, I, you know, I understand there's, you know, he's probably not going to miss enough bats. He might not be the back end starter that, you know, if unless everything really comes together, but he's ultimately throwing a new pitch, a split finger that he just developed this past year. I think there's extra potential there. And, you know, I think, you know, in the trip in triple a West or what was the Pacific coast league, you know, maybe he gets a bit, little better fly ball luck. And if all else fails, I think he can move to the bullpen and potentially play a swing man role. So I'm, I wanted to go upside, but I just think at this point, Frisbee has still proven too much for me to pass on him right now. And so uh, with that, I'll hand it back to Renzi. Uh, With my pick, I'm actually thinking about three pitchers, and it's it's the guys that Mark said earlier. It's Silva, Barrow, and Mercedes. Uh, I was kind of leading Barrow because I was recently impressed with this vertical breaking slider, but ultimately I just think that he's more of a bullpen guy so I'm ultimately picking Eric Silva as my as my fifth round pick oh it's my sixth round pick let's go <laughs> <laughs> that's good value I mean I mean the questions about Silva is his height he's six foot left uh, six foot right with pretty much uh, pretty much done projection wise but I think if some people see his sight as, as a disadvantage, I see it as an advantage because it gives his fastball a flatter approach angle and the fastball has stopped 97, even 98, uh, just a month ago in Jay Serra. And that's pretty impressive to go, to have to have him throw that hard that late in the season. And it's definitely, and it definitely plays up in the zone because it has good carrying, has an average spin rate. I think the question about him is more about what will the Giants coaches do with his breaking ball. Currently, he has like a sweeping breaking ball at a Bednar slider. But honestly, if if you think about it, uh, with a with a good carry of, of his fastball at the top of the zone, I think I think it's better to have him throw a curveball that's more vertical action to have that north to south action that recent that recent pitching philosophies do really really love and. I mean, I mean, Silva is a strike thrower. I, I, I think the changeup has a future, has a future promise, and I think I'm getting a starter here at round six, which is pretty good considering the amount of per prospects that are drafted here. So, uh, yeah, Brian, you're on the clock. I like that Silva pick. Um, so I'm gonna go with a, after you know getting a couple guys who are kind of on a downward path. I'm gonna go with Manuel Mercedes here. Um, this is like a pure projection, you know, you know a, a play here where you know, I've only seen a little bit of him, but reports coming out of, you know, the complex league and, you know, the backfield and everything have been glowing. Uh, just the, the arm speed is incredible. He's up to 98, three pitches, um, just very loose on the mound. This, this is like, you know, the kind of pitcher who in a couple of years we could be talking about being the best pitching prospect. Uh, in the entire system or, you know, on the reverse side, he could be someone that just completely flames out or, you know, put some, put, you know, we put the reliever tag on him. So this is, this is kind of, you know, a bet, but I think this is, you know, after the, the first five rounds here where they're getting more, getting more, uh, you know, established uh, prospects. I think this is kind of, you know, a good time for me to start, you know, 
taking taking some uh, taking some big shots here uh, in terms of picks. So yeah, Mercedes here for me. Yeah, I love the Mercedes pick. Uh, I, I've been wanting to kind of see him get on the mound for quite some time, and and now that he is, I'm I can't wait to get out to Arizona and and get a look at him firsthand because his his motion just sounds yeah delicious um and and i was actually thinking about taking him at this spot and now that everyone's talking about mercedes and uh and perlander baroa i think maybe now i need to move to pitcher and take baroa off the board um he perlander baroa is a really interesting kid uh he's a slight right-hander not terribly unlike silva actually he's he's a pretty um uh, short and slender young right-hander with an incredibly fast arm. The entire San Jose rotation really is very hard throwers, but Baroa is sort of a notch above any other starter in the system really that I can think of. Uh, even Caleb Killian, who I, who I really love, he has uh, the occasional reach back where he'll go up to 97, you know, but he, but he lives kind of 93, uh, Perlander Baroa lives 97. I mean, he will throw 97, 96, 98 uh, for five, six, even a couple starts ago, seven innings um, with, as Renzi mentioned, a very sharp vertical slider uh, that comes down. And even the very, you know, the beginnings of a changeup that you can look at and see is interesting. That's a power change that comes in like 90, um, which is sort of the, the classic modern pitcher. He overthrows a lot. Um, uh, particularly early in the year, he was kind of throwing fastballs to the backstop and spiking the breaking pitch. And he still does spike the breaking pitch because he's overthrowing. You know, that's something we see from a lot of the power pitchers around the system, even uh, RJ Davovich. I've seen a lot of that in, in, uh, in Richmond, Jose Marte. So getting him to sort of trust to the arm and just let it go will be a big part of it. Uh, but one thing that's been impressive about him is his control has tightened up a good deal through the, through the year. And he's, um, I think it's four starts in July. He's got a 199 ERA. His strikeout rate is up. His walk rate is down. Uh, he's definitely progressing in the right direction. And you can kind of see him start to feel his whole, whole repertoire. And there's just nobody else in the system that can go out there and throw six, seven innings and still be pumping 98. That's, that is a different cat from anybody else we have in this system. And at that, I kind of look at my team now, which has Luciano Canario, Pomaros, Artiega, Sugaste, and Perlana Baroa, and have decided that what I really need to do here is make this team a, uh, a, a homage to uh, Joe Salermo and the great international program that is bringing so much talent into the giant system. And so I think that I want to stay on the international side, and I'm going to, for my seventh pick, take another outfielder. Uh, not a kind of one of the high prospects in the system, but instead Diego Rincones, who I have always loved for his, uh, his bat to ball skills, a tremendous, tremendous um, barrel work. He can get his hands to almost any part of the, of the zone. He hits fastballs, he hits breaking balls, he hits, he pulls, he hits it the opposite way. He has plenty of power, although he hasn't always gotten to it. Uh, but he is one of those guys in kind of a Pablo Sandoval sort of mold who really gets his hands to almost every pitch. And uh, now that he's up at double A and having success, even though he doesn't have a body that looks like a major leaguer, he has a swing that looks like a major leaguer. And I think uh, he's going to get there in some sort of role. So those are my two guys and I'm going to give it down to Brian. 
I, I like the 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 body portion. It's like uh, from Moneyball. You know, we're not selling jeans here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're bat the ball. Let's get that. So yeah, I agree. I like that pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with a new giant here, uh, Michael Plasmeyer, who uh, came over uh, for in, from the Rays in the Matt Whistler trade, which uh, you know is kind of a uh, not worked out for the Giants because Matt Whistler has been really good for the Rays all of a sudden. Um, so this is kind of where I'm leaning on my draft stuff here because I really liked Michael Plasmeyer when he was at Missouri as someone who's just just throws a ton of strikes and for whatever reason he doesn't get hit the way you would expect his stuff to get hit. Um, we're talking now from Missouri and in his pros pro career has not had at any season a, a walk per nine above 2.0. This is a guy who just throws a ton of strikes. It's 60 command. And, you know, I, I, I really do believe that the, when the, the, so originally he was drafted by the Mariners and he was traded to the Rays. I really think the Rays had him lined up to be their next Ryan Yarbrough. I really, I honestly believe that. I think they're, they're going to, when Ryan Yarbrough was done being a Ray, it was going to be Michael Plasmeyer to fill that role. And, you know, they, they ended up giving him away. But I, I think for the Giants, that this is what Michael Plasmeyer is going to be. He's going to fill a Ryan Yarbrough role where he could start, where he can, you know, be a, be a follower. If, you know, they, they decide to do the opener thing in the future, you know, he can do three inning starts, whatever they need. And he's just going to, he's just going to throw strikes. He's going to junk it. And it's, it's for whatever reason it works. And uh, I, I believe in him and uh, someone I really like that Missouri. So leading on the draft stuff, as I said, so Plasmeyer is the pick for me and uh, Renzi, you're up. Um, honestly, at this stage of the draft, I'm, I really, I honestly don't know where, where to look at because I'm just pretty lost because, uh, but ultimately I'm just going to stick with the guys that I, I really like. And I mean, it's a bit of a home run swing pick, but I'm picking Javier Francisco because I'm not being biased here, but to be honest, when I, when I look at players, his age or a little bit older, Francisco's bat-to-ball ability really, really stands out to me. Uh, I watched him hit against Rodolfo Martinez, an old, an old Giants prospect who's still throwing high 90s and is barreling it and putting it the ball into the wall in left field or in, in center field. So that's pretty impressive given that he's just turned he's just turned 18 years old this year. So I really, really like that profile of bat-to-ball ability and he does, he did, he, I mean, after 10 at-bats this season in the DSL, he hasn't struck out yet, while most of the highly regarded prospects in the system has struck out, so that's pretty impressive. I mean, he's playing first base now, but I really think that, I really think that he can play all over the infield with solid actions in, in, in the dirt, with pretty good arm and pretty good speed, but Ultimately, I'm just riding with the bat of Javier Francisco, and he's well coached. He makes all the fundamental plays, and he has an excellent makeup that I think will make him will make him pretty pretty good over the next three or four years time. And with that pick, I'm going to give it to Mark. Yeah, Francisco is a really interesting one. I profiled him this spring, and and, and I just I, I wrote in the profile I was like. I don't know what to do with him in terms of rankings and whatnot. It's just because we don't have a precedent for him in that we just know a lot of 
about him. And I think in part of that, that's because um, him and his team have been really open and out there on social media that he's, you know, done interviews when he knows he, he's fluent in English. So we were able to do an interview. And so I think he's gotten more media yeah. coverage. And obviously he, um, the, the big story, of course, that first happened is he, he trained with Fernando Tati senior who compared him to his son, obviously, which got a lot of headlines when he first signed, but he signed for like a, a, a really small bonus. And so I wrote at the time, I was like, I don't know. Is this a, is this what we would think about every one of these prospects if we knew as much about them as we do about Francisco? Or is he really special and the Giants really found this diamond in the rough? And like you mentioned, Renzi, the early returns are really good. He doesn't just not strike out. He has the highest OPS in the DSL through this first week here. And as you mentioned, no strikeouts to go with it. So he's trending in the right direction, you know. I think I, I've sh- I think I'm still at the point where I'm shying away from him in terms of rankings and whatnot. And it's more just because I don't it's just I work so much off comparisons and finding a trajectory. And I just don't know what to do with this prospect who I really don't have any real comparison to make at this point. But I'm really excited to see on the flip side of that, someone who was a bigger name in the system not too long ago and where I'm going here. Another outfielder, Sandro Fabian, who still doesn't walk. Um, I think he has two walks and had however many play appearances he has a double A this year, but he still has <laughs> like above five average. Years. Yeah. Yeah. He, he still has above average power. He still has an above average arm. I think he's going to be an above average defensive corner outfielder. Obviously I'd love if he could play center, but I don't think that's ever going to be in the cards mm-hmm. for him, but you know, he is ultimately a guy who can put the ball in play. He doesn't strike out a, at a particularly high rate. And, you know, I think he is someone who isn't, I don't think necessarily going to be an impact player in the way he once might have looked if you can sort of imagine things coming together but he's someone who I think is going to sort of be at the hands of the Bobbit gods right like I think he's someone who probably because the Giants depth may never break through in San Francisco I wouldn't be shocked if he's a secondary piece moved over the next few weeks even if I were another team looking for outfield depth I think he's someone I try to get in a throw in for maybe a middle reliever that the Giants are interested in and you know but I think he's someone where he could be 27 28 at AAA, hitting okay. His Bob Ip is 450. He hits 380, gets a call up, and he has like a, you know, a Yermin Mercedes kind of couple months. Like, I think, you know, like, I think Fabian's kind of someone who will, will find his way to the big leagues just sort of because of his really good ability to put the bat to the ball, his power potential, even if I don't think he's going to walk enough or be a good enough defensive player to turn that into, you know, a, a seven, eight year career. I think he can still find a, a role in the big leagues at some point. Sorry, hand it off to Kevin. <laughs> well, no, I, I you can definitely see that with I mean, he's just got all the physical tools, and it's hard to ignore someone like Sandro. But uh, yeah, we'll see how he does that way. Uh, for me, I'm going in a different direction. Uh, I know that I've got a little bit of reputation on Twitter on kind of hating on Zaidi and some of his decisions, but uh, I've got to go with this rags to riches tale and uh, pick Carson Ragsdale. Uh, the Giants got him for a song, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, they uh, Sam Coonrod was the price for him, and I have yet to meet a Giants fan who's really sad to see Coonrod go. And, uh, I mean, he's just having a really surprising season. Ragsdale was a fourth-round pick by the Phillies in the 2020 draft, and although he's got a 4.09 ERA, which doesn't look all that great in low A, he is leading the California uh, – sorry – low a west league in strikeouts (laughs) uh 
but I mean, he's got 94 strikeouts in 55 innings, uh, 28 walks, not a great number, but not horrible when you've got that sort of a ratio going. Uh, he's got a whopping lead in strikeouts, uh, just one ahead of his teammate, Brian Murphy, who has thrown eight more innings. So we'll give him that. But I mean, Ragsdale just feels like a really solid pitching prospect. You look at him on the mound and he's six foot eight. And as someone who's seen many Giants games going back the last decade, a tall pitcher in San Jose makes a lot of sense. And that's not a jelly reference. I'm sure Roger <laughs> knows exactly the guys that I am talking about. What was that 2012 when they were around? Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, he's got that sort of physicality that even if he doesn't stick as a starter, he's got a great floor as a reliever, and he should be able to get a lot of strikeouts that way. So, yeah, I had to go with Ragsdale. And uh, as I come around to the eighth round and open that up, I'm going to go with a little bit of a Matt Duffy type pick. And that's uh, Tyler Fitzgerald out of Eugene. Ooh. He's having kind of a all around sort of a season He's only batting 261, but uh, 352 on base percentage, 468 slugging. He's got 15 doubles, 10 home runs and 10 steals, which for a fourth round pick who kind of moves around the infield like he does, that's pretty good. And Eugene hasn't been shy about moving him up and down the lineup, moving him around the field. I mean, he's just got kind of that all-around sort of versatility. He feels like a major leaguer to me. He feels like that kind of guy who's always going to just have a nose for getting the hits, nose for scoring runs. And obviously, Kapler's going to love having someone like him that he can kind of plug around. Think a better fielding sort of uh, Donovan Solano or uh, Wilmer Flores. And I'm I'm pretty happy with a guy like that. So uh, he was really kind of the biggest revelation when I made my scouting trip up to Oregon a, a few weeks ago. And I'm sticking with that. Uh, Tyler Fitzgerald, eighth round. All right, Mark. That's a good pick. You're on the board. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's, it feels like it's, you know, obviously Bishop's injuries um, aside, right? Like the top of the draft classes so far, the – first round especially under Zaidi haven't necessarily panned out well but there's been sort of a lot of these later round guys obviously Killian I think is the top of that you know we have Schmidt going in the top hit 10 here today and Fitzgerald's another one of those performers I was expecting to kind of be looking for sort of older performers here you know like you know the, the Joey Marcianos the David Villars you know kind of in that realm but there's just too much upside in the younger recent uh, international free agent class and I don't mean to be butting in on Rogers competitive advantage you, but you totally are but you know I, I'm going with I was debating between we talked about Alexander Suarez a bit we talked about uh Rainer Sant or actually we didn't talk about Rainer Santana who's kind of he's also a catcher but we'll see about how long he's but you know he's sort of in that same group with uh Sugaste who Roger took a a few months or a few months, a few rounds ago, excuse me. Um, <laughs> at this point, it feels like that. Um, and Diego Velasquez, who is the, I believe the highest bonus, I think the only seven figure bonus from last year's international free agent class. And even though he has the least tracker record and has performed the least, I'm going with Velasquez here because he's by far the youngest. He won't turn 18 until October. Santana will turn 19 this year. And Suarez is relatively close to 20, although not you know still incredibly young. But 
a key part of it is the Giants had the confidence in Velasquez to start him in the Arizona Complex League, which says that he impressed them. You know, people I've talked to were really impressed with what they saw uh, with him, you know, in Instructs last year and then again in minor league camp. And, you know, he hasn't done much. Again, we're talking about the first week of these complex league seasons. But the one thing I've noticed about Velasquez, even though he hasn't necessarily impacted the ball a lot, 16 plate appearances, he has yet to strike out still 17 i'm betting on a guy who's really young the organization is clearly confident in to live up and and exceed some expectations going forward so um with that back to you renzi oh with my seven round pick i was actually contemplating between fitzgerald and francisco and i honestly think that fitzgerald has the ingredients to be a big leader so yeah i was i was looking at my at my draft at my draft class so far and Honestly, I haven't picked an outfielder yet. I mean, Brett Auerbach's a baller, so <laughs> I think I, I think that's I th- but I still think that Auerbach is listed as a catcher. So I still haven't had a true outfielder, and I'm definitely taking one here at my eighth round pick. And I'm picking Ismail Mungia, a Nicaraguan outfielder. And you can definitely see the pattern that how I selected my players. I really ha- I really value players with low strikeout rate and most especially low swinging strikeout rate as well with good defense and I mean this is the old the old notion again of all 27 or below age hitters with at least 200 plate appearances he has the lowest swinging strike rate and as well as the lowest strikeout rate so FYI I have the first the third and the fourth lowest swinging strike rate hitters in this in my draft class and the second one is Joe McCarty, uh, but I honestly think, I hope you pick, I hope everyone picked Joe McCarty. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, with Mungi has always been a contact-based hitter, but this year, he's really improved his power stroke, and he's already hit five home runs this year. His best, his best home run season, one. So that's like 500% already. I think, I think that improvement in power, that improvement in power, will definitely improve his chances of reaching the big leagues. And I can definitely see a one purse kind of vibes with him, like that contacty, slappy grinder uh, with good speed, good defense. And you can definitely see him in the big leagues as like a defensive replacement, or you just you just want a, you just want a scrappy player in the big leagues. So yeah, it's Mel Munguia is my pick. So I'm handing the ball back to Brian. The Matty Alou of the 21st century is off the board. <laughs> I love Ismail Munkea. Me too. But, I but, think, but yeah. Kevin, you were in, in Eugene. That It seems to me, looking at Eugene games, that that right field porch is a real homer haven. Is that true? You know, it didn't play up that way as much as you'd think. Although having that uh, big building, where which is where the University of Oregon works out, you can actually see players on stationary bikes through the uh, – big windows that they've got there it's a great target to try to hit the roof but i didn't see a lot of balls actually flying out that way even with the short wall there interesting interesting yeah but uh mungia he had a lot of fun playing out there that's for sure i i did not see that guy not make a funny face the entire week that i was there (laughs) and i include that in my report he he looks like he has so much fun on the field he that attitude reminds me of romo and sandoval so absolutely love him yeah he's a hair on fire player yeah. It's a baller. Yep. 
So uh, I just wanted to go back to the Sandro Sandro Fabian pick, Mark. You you were saying like, oh, you could see him like someone who comes up, you know, when he's twenty seven or twenty eight. Kind of like the first person I thought of. You know, it doesn't have the same speed, but we saw like Adolis Garcia for mm-hmm. the Rangers kind of just do that <laughs> this year. So I could definitely see that for like Sandro Fabian. So that's that was that was interesting that you said that. So, uh, but for my pick, I'm going to do, um, apparently I'm taking all the guys who I really liked, uh, before the season who have struggled. So I can't get off of them apparently. So Tristan Beck <laughs> is going to be my pick. Um, you know, the, I, maybe this is another thing where I'm leaning in on my, uh, you know, draft stuff, but Tristan Beck was someone I really liked in college. Uh, I kind of couldn't believe that the giants were able to get him, uh, in, in that trade with the, with the Braves. Uh, so I was really happy to and uh, to see the Giants able to acquire him. Hasn't really worked out 100% this year. Uh, he's still walking too many guys. The home runs have been a problem, which, you know, ha- really was never a problem for him. So I'm kind of surprised that that's been the case. Uh, you know, has has four pitches. The command it needs some work. So it might, might just be a reliever profile. But he's someone who I'm kind of just buying low on, I feel, in this draft. And uh, someone who, you know, is still the double A, so he's not he's not all that far from the majors. And uh, I think he will be a, a major leaguer of some stripe. So uh, I'll happily take him uh, in the uh, eighth round here. Yeah, I like that pick. You know, I like Beck a lot. I was talking to somebody about him the other day, and it, it's a little worrisome. There's, you know, he's been he's been out of action now for two months. Yeah. And he's back in Arizona, and it doesn't sound like there's a clear path back to health form. Like, the, uh, I don't mm-hmm. think yeah. they really understand kind of what the issue is. So it, it sounds like it's kind of a frustrating situation well, he, for him. He, he had health issues dating back to college. Too. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why he fell in the draft turn. so far. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so I imagine that's the reason why the Giants were able to get him in that trade. But you know, I think that's a fine, fine bet. You you bet on the skills, and you know, hopefully they can figure it out in time. And you know, obviously we're all rooting for him. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still in. And uh, yeah, Roger, it's up in your pick. You got your last two here. Okay, so uh, to fill out my my lineup because i still want to have a starting lineup that i can put on the field i need a third baseman and a first baseman and i really am considering two guys that i have watched a lot of this year and that's david vr and frankie tostado Mm. uh, who have both been really really impressive this year particularly vr i think there's uh, there's a ton of power there uh and a really good defensive player i look at vr and i sometimes although yeah caveat massive swing and miss but there's some of the same kind of profile that you talk about when you talk about casey smith which is great defensive player with power that's really what david vr is whether he can work that into a a a role or not i i I think there's always a room for a profile like that and uh, tostado has been you know sort of level jumped into a really tough situation and he hung tough for the first month and, and then has really, you know, excited the last, uh, the last month. Uh, so I really thought about those two guys, but then I came back to my whole, I'm also trying to make all of my picks be part of the uh, international development program because my brain just works in funny ways. So <laughs> I, I decided to take in a couple of IFAs, a couple of young guys. I really had my eyes on Diego Velasquez who Mark took, uh, who, 
is another guy who all the physicality signs are pointing upwards. He, he grew about four inches after they signed him. Um, Joe Salermo told me that, that, you know, between when, when teams saw what he looked like now, they said, how did you get him for that price tag? So he's a guy who I think his, uh, his number, you know, a year later would have been a lot higher, but Mark took him off the board. I had actually kind of thought Javier Francisco might be there and he is intriguing to me for all the reasons Frenzy said, although I'm just fascinated by, as Mark said, this guy is so, so out there on social media and you get zero signals from the Giants that, that they particularly prize him. Uh, so I find that a, a kind of a fascinating thing. Anyway, those two guys are gone. So what I ended up doing is going with two extremely young IFA players from the last two J2 classes, um, both of whom were signed to shortstops, but I'm going to put them at third and first. And that is Anthony Rodriguez, who is another Venezuelan shortstop who was signed in the same class as Artiega, uh, more of an offensive-minded player than Artiega, although that hasn't shown out yet in, in Arizona, but um, uh, I believe in the scouting reports on him. And the other guy is somebody who, uh, when, I, when I asked Joe Salermo, who should we be keeping our eye on the first person out of his mouth was Jason Lemos, who's a shortstop playing in the DSL right now. Um, really beautiful right-handed swing can generate a lot of power from his bottom half. Um, looks smooth at shortstop, but you can see the bat moving around to other spots in the lineup. So I'm going to fill out my, my dance guard with about four guys who have a total of, of 40 professional games in their, in their uh, baseball card. Uh, with uh, Lemos and Rodriguez and Artiega manning my infield. And with that, I give it on to Brian. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to take, I guess I'm just going the opposite route of Roger here. And I'm just going <laughs> to just take, every, you know, just a complete mess of players. I got just pictures all over the place. <laughs> I did not plan for this, but here I, we I are. I might need your staff to help my team. Uh, <laughs> we might field, <laughs> Yeah, we might have to combine forces here. Um, so I'm thinking Nick. Uh, okay, here's one. Th is it Nick Swinney? It's pronounced. It? I believe I've it is it Swinney. Like three... Okay, I think it's I've Swinney. heard it. Yeah, I've heard it like three different pronunciations. Uh, so I'm taking Nick Swinney. Um, I had some insider information here for Mark because he reported that uh, Swinney got back on the mound recently. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll I feel a little better about this. So he kind of had a phantom concussion thing going on. I don't really know the whole story behind that. Yeah, but we, we really haven't almost... gotten the story uh, on what happened. I don't know if this was a Chris Stratton situation in BP, if there was something, you know, he had, had a fall or something like that. But, yeah, it was just the concussion after his first, which was four shutout innings at San Jose, by the way. It's, I think, six yeah. strikeouts, two walks, and hasn't pitched since. But, yeah, as it reported today, he's been throwing BP in Arizona, tracking towards making some rehab appearances in the coming weeks. And, you know, they hope he can, you know, assuming he progresses well, be back in the San Jose rotation relatively soon. Yeah, so I, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I think this is just another case for me where I, you know, I saw saw him pitch a lot in college, and uh, I, I I believe in the arm. I think he can be you know pitchability type lefty, with a few, you know, a few, you know, two or three above average pitches, above average command, and you know, make it work at the back end of a rotation. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of stinks you haven't gotten to see him pitch, but I'm I'm really not worried of, of you know about about you know the layoff or anything like that seems like such a such a funky weird injury that you now i'm still in his delivery isn't the best it's high effort you know he has had a lot of head movement but for whatever reason you know he just started throwing strikes last year 
uh, for NC State. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it, if it continues, but I, I'm kind of in on this. So I, I really like Swinney. I was kind of surprised that I, I actually considered taking him in the, where I took Plasmeyer. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to get him fill out my uh, loaded uh, pitching staff here. Uh, yeah, so that's my final pick, Swinney. On to Renzi. Oh, when, when, when we, we conceived this idea of, of this draft, I mean, it's Brian's idea, so credits to him. Uh, I was actually thinking of building a pretty complete roster of a rotation, a bullpen, and a lineup. So after looking at my picks through one to eight, I still don't really have a true reliever. And I mean, looking at the board, I still have a pretty, pretty good selection of, of pitchers here. So, but I'm going to pick the one that I'm the most impressed with and I'm the most happy with to pick. And it's Jose Marte. He's a big boy. Uh, mm. He's a big boy with big stuff. I mean, I mean, Freelander Barova throws hard, but Jose Marte throws triple digits hard. He can top up the 102 yes, with his does. fastball. Can top 102 with his fastball, and his slow 90 slider is just really, really tough to hit from what I can see because he turns it very well, and the break is hard and late, and that's what you really like for a slider. So kind of way you think of it that you could think of it that how – how does he not strike out everyone that he faces? So <laughs> with that kind of velocity, I mean, the guy does not really have a does not really have a true carry on his fastball. It's more of a tailing sinking action with his fastball, but with the velocity, he kind of gets away with it. And as a result, he generates a lot of ground balls and a very, very low, low, very, very low line drive rate average compared to a lot of pitchers that primary pitches in in relief. So I think I'm, I mean, unlike unlike Camilo Duval, Jose Marti throws strikes actually. So I'm really, I really, really feel confident with the pick because I think I got a better reliever than what Kevin picked. That's five, four rounds earlier. So I'm really happy with Jose Marti with my pick. That's my closer. Yeah, it's really interesting more. because the strike throwing really varies from outing to outing. And, uh, and he'll come and he'll just be pounding the zone one day and the next day it's like from right from the beginning, it's just not quite there and he'll be off. Um, and then he, he relies on that slider a lot and you'll see him hang about a slider an inning too, uh, which you can kind of get away with in double A a little bit, although it's yeah. starting to get hit. But as you move up, you know, it's sort of the Matt Whistler problem. If people know that that slider's coming and one of them is going to get hung every at bat or two, they're going to jump on it. But the stuff is really, really loud. Yeah, well, at least I, it's supposed to too. He does. Yeah. Whenever I watch him, I'm just like amazed that like any right-handed hitter can just lift the ball at all against him. It's just like I, I don't understand how anybody can get to, get in the air on his. Yeah, from what I check. Amazing. Yeah, from what I check, his ground ball rate is like under just under sixty percent, which is the wow. highest among all yeah, Giants pitchers nuts. with at least twenty-five innings. And he has one of the lowest line drive rates, as I said. It's just pretty good pitcher, Jose Marte. I really like very, him. Very heavy, very heavy fastball. It's it's yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you know, for me, I was expecting to kind of you know the relievers really fell, and frankly, a lot of the pitchers, Swinney, um, Beck, um, another one who 
I, I was thinking, you know, Blake Rivera was someone I was really high on. Um, I, I'm not as high on Jake Wong, but he's another one who potentially could have been this mix. But it's just you have these pitchers who haven't pitched an extended period of time. And, you know, injuries, especially a Giants organization that's been really coy about information on injuries, especially on the pitcher side. You know, we don't really hear diagnoses. We just hear kind of these we see these pitchers go on the I.L., or disappear. And so it makes it really hard to know, you know, is a player getting Tommy John surgery or is, you know, a, a player dealing with strain. And, you know, so, you know, I think that's part of it where if we had complete information, I think you'd have Beck, Swinney, Rivera, um, maybe Wong, but they'd go, pro- there'd probably be one or two who would go higher, but because we don't have that information, you know, they, they kind of go down. Obviously Swinney, we knew about the concussion, but with such a prolonged absence, you wonder, did he try to come back? Was there soreness? Or something to that effect. And I imagine part of, partially, probably the reason they're so tight with that information has to do with, you know, teams sort of starting to imp- implement these algorithms and, and formulas for trade value and prospects that include kind of these dummy variables for arm injuries and whatnot, where if you had an arm injury, it's a one. If you didn't, you have a zero. And so the Giants are probably, I think, trying to keep that tight in part to kind of make it harder for other teams to know what's going on. Or, But, you know, you'd think medicals would be exchanged in deals. I, anyway, that's just, you know, the reporter side of me wondering why um, we haven't gotten as much. But, you know, I was expecting to kind of go in that direction. But, um, you know, Rainer Santana is still on the board at 44. I understand I've, you know, he's technically a catcher, but I have no idea where he's going to end up defensively he might frankly be a designated hitter but you know he hit it at the D- Dominican Summer League he led a team that had Luis Ma- Luis Matos you know he led them in home runs with 10 he, he had a bit too many more strikeouts than I would like to see but he had nearly in a thousand OPS and more importantly he's he was easily the youngest of that class I mentioned it he's still 18 he'll be 19 next month, you know, in contrast to Matos, who's about eight, nine months older. And we're talking about at this level, the way he's performed, the way he's hit, I'm, you know, when you give me youth and you give me performance, that's hard for me to look away from. And so that's how I'm going to round out my roster. And then, you know, with pick 45, Kevin, you know, what's, what's the last pick, man, you're going to leave me with the last, I got all these guys are still on the board. Like you mentioned, Blake Rivera is, someone that I actually had as my top reliever in the system going into the year, not knowing where he's at makes that a a really tough pick. And there are, look at this list. There's a lot of guys that we could be talking about, but I, I've got to take my Tyler Rogers pick. (laughs) And uh, you know, for those who have been reading giants prospects for a few years, you know, when Roger and I were partnering on McCovey Chronicles four years, I would say, bring up Tyler Rogers that motion is unique it's going to confuse batters he's going to be awesome and i was saying no and no one would take him the rule five draft no one promoted him and they finally came up and uh yeah i'll toot my own horn because i definitely i'm definitely very happy with how he's doing i think all giants fans are so i need a new guy that i'm going to just be an irrational fan of and always talk about and i've got him and he's currently in double a and uh, his name is Simon Whiteman, uh, the middle infielder from Yale. He look has batting average, and you're going to kind of snicker because he's batting 234. His on-base percentage is going to get higher. It's only at 315. But as his name implies, uh, or his Twitter handle implies, he's all about the speed. He's got 11 steals in Richmond. That's tied for fifth, I believe, in the former Eastern League at the moment. 
even though he's played in about half the games as the leader who has 17. Overall, he's got 28 steals and 30 attempts. And I really mentioned this uh, when we talked about Joey Bart. You know, there are these rule changes that they're doing in the minors. Sure. We'll probably see them in the majors. And one of the things that was really a focus was improving the chances for stolen bases. I talk about Bart on the defensive side. Having catch with strong arms is going to be important. But having a runner who can take advantage is going to be another thing. And Simon Whiteman, he's not the fastest guy in terms of pure raw speed, but he matches excellent speed with smarts on the base pass. He takes good reads. He knows what's going on in the game. And that's the kind of weapon you want to have out there. You mix that with a guy who can play in the middle of the infield. I have a feeling if they tried to put him in center field, he probably wouldn't do very badly. Probably have kind of like a Mauricio Dubon sort of a look out there. Um, that's the kind of player I think the Giants would love. So even with the low batting average, even with, you know, pretty much the power of a 78 Ford Pinto, he could probably be uh, the kind of guy who can come up into the majors. He'd be a role player, but it would be a heck of a role and he'd be a lot of fun to watch. So uh, you're going to get bored of me talking about him the next few years, but Simon Whiteman's my pick to round out this draft. Yeah, no, I, you know, and you mentioned, you know, at the end, obviously we had to cut this off somewhere. This has already been long enough and I uh, can really appreciate all of you guys taking the time with this, but if I can keep you for a few more minutes to talk about, you know, maybe a bit about your class, but also sort of these players that are left, you know, I think um, there's some names who were on uh, probably all of our rankings, you know, if, if you did them before the season, um, Kaiway Tang, um, pitcher who dealt with the, su the suspension for a for found foreign substance has then came back in a 12 strikeout game, but has been cuffed um, at high A. He doesn't get picked. Um, 2019 second round pick Logan Wyatt doesn't get picked. Um, Roger talked about uh, Villar and Tostado, Alex Suarez we talked about. I guess if we just want to go down the line here, I know I'm kind of jumping this on you after we've already done a lot, but you know who's a player left who you really would hang your hat on as you know kind of of these players left that you go you know this is the case for why looking back and if we're going to look dumb for leaving this player out of our top 45 or our 45 selections here who's the player that 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 would be and let's let's go in reverse order roger you're going last on this one kevin we'll we'll hit you first oh man i mean there really was a list i i love anyone who's got an outsized tool so logan wyatt with his on-base percentage if you know he needs to learn how to play defense at first though um you know you got ryan murphy you got jimmy glowinky who's having his glow up july he was cold the first couple of months and he's doing well um but yeah i, I gotta go with uh glowinky i really have to say because he's one of these guys I mean, he kind of was that underslot draft pick uh where they took the savings so they can pay kyle harrison but he's been at the heart of the san jose uh lineup uh, or he's been in the heart of the field, I should say, but kind of batting around the top and bottom. He's really having a great month. And I think we're starting to see some real upside on him. And I'm going to leave the more obvious uh, person from San Jose, Ryan Murphy, as someone else. I'm sure there's someone here who's probably going to take him. <laughs> yeah, you know, Murphy's there. I, I will add on to the Wyatt thing. And, you know, Wyatt isn't necessarily someone I'm super high on, but I don't. I think this is a group of people who haven't been particularly high on Wyatt. So I will make this case for him. Now, I was doing some looks over various leaderboards over the past 11 minor league seasons, including 2021, starting in 2010 of qualified minor league hitters. There have been five 
who have walked more than 20% of the time and struck out less than 20% of the time. Wyatt is one of those players. Um, And, you know, that is something that's quite exceptional. He's also one of the younger ones to do it. Now, most of those guys were at AAA when they were doing it. Most of them have hit for more power. I have no idea to make, you know, Wyatt could be a guy who ends up posting a consistently 750 OPS, but is doing it with a 420 on base and a 320, 330 slugging. Is that a big league hitter? I don't really know what, what to make of that, you know, in a very unique profile. Um, but, you know, the Giants took him in the second round with the second round pick. They clearly believe that they can probably get a little bit more power out of there. I'm a bit skeptical of that. Um, you know, another one, Franklin Labour on, on the flip side, someone who has a lot of power um, is someone who I was surprised to see not go in the top 45. Uh, obviously, he struggled with punch outs, is a bit older, but, you know, the way he's performed, you know, I, frankly, him, Tostado Villar, um, you know, Labour is more of a corner outfielder, DH type. But, you know, still three players who performed relatively well, but probably got hurt by being a bit older and, and having sort of concerns uh, with punch outs that sort of led us all um, to pass on them. But uh, Renzi, who, who are you thinking about as someone who, if you had another round, you'd be really excited to take? I mean, if you have, a, if you have another round, uh, I'm probably still picking pitching, but it's just pretty surprising that we haven't really tapped on the first base and the second base side of the depth chart, pretty interesting. And honestly, if Kai Weiteng was pitching better yeah. than he did recently or over the past month, I could definitely pick him at around round six or even round five. But I mean, I'm just pretty worried that after, after the power and substance checks that were made on him, I feel that he has lost his control of his pitches and that's pretty worrying to be honest but but honestly I'm I'm looking at two guys here and both are relievers that I really really like and I hope that they can reach the big leagues first is Chris Wright I, mm. I think we all know I think we all know this guy I mean the guy I mean he's I mean out of all pitchers that pitch at least 20 innings this season he has a second most strikeout strikeout rate with just over 47 and a half, I mean, behind RJ Dabovich. So, I mean, the guy really has, he knows his stuff. He knows his strengths. He knows his strengths, which is, which is true, true a mid nineties fastball up in the zone and just tunnel a hard breaking ball down in the zone. That's, and that's how modern pitching works. That's how modern effective pitching goes about its business. And, and Chris Wright is just really shoving out there. And another one that I really like, even though he he is not really thought about as a prospect, is Ryan Walker, a 25-year-old reliever in Eugene, who, who is really, really good, actually. He's very deceptive, even though his stuff is only around 92 to 95. He's very deceptive with that hard crossfire action and that, that pretty low three-quarters delivery. I mean, he throws strikes. He throws strikes out of that deception. So, I mean, he only had 4.1 walk rate, 4.1% walk rate, which is, I think, pretty good with um, over 35% strikeout rate. So that's pretty, pretty good for a crossfire reliever who you expect to at least have some sort of control issues. I mean, he's more controlled than command, but I will definitely take that reliever who has the kind of deception that 
you know, that Tyler Rogers kind of thing where it just makes hitters uncomfortable facing him, even though he has pretty average stuff. I mean, with Rogers, it's it's 20 grade passable velocity, but I really, really like Ryan Walker's chances to be big league reliever. I'm sorry. Yeah, that should have been your Tyler Rogers pick, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, he was in that list as well, yeah. He seems like a guy like that, like a team like the Rays just turn out like 25 year old reliever who just gets it done. Yeah. Uh, so just for, you know, if I wanted to stay on brand, I would say Mason Black. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pivot here. Uh, I think Blake Rivera is probably the guy I'm like, I think that if we were looking back, like maybe in a couple of years where we like we look on this list and we're like, how the heck did we yeah. nobody take Blake Rivera? Yeah. Uh, considering what we've seen from him in the past. But, you know, we probably won't remember that he just did, hasn't pitched. We really have no idea. At least I, I haven't heard anything of like what's going on with him. Yeah, if, uh, there was something, I think Rivera and Wong were two where it looked like on social media there was talks of some surgery you saw sort of posts about mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. stories. So, you know, you you usually, like I think for us, we're interpreting that as Tommy John and obviously Rivera is someone who struggled, you know, our control kind of command feel for pitching has always been the biggest question mark. I think that obviously, you know, makes it kind of harder, especially because he was already relatively yeah. old for his, the low minor league level. But yeah, no, he, he definitely could be one who, you know, is, is especially if they bring him back from Tommy John and just let him go straight to the bullpen where he could all of a sudden just blow through the minor leagues, kind of like we've seen they decide to do with Castro, Doval, and Santos this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of my thinking on that as well. It's just uh, something that, like, right now we don't have, like, a lot of certainty, but which kind of makes it, like, you know, we're not going to pick him. But at the same time, you know, he's obviously supremely talented. So that's that's person I'm I probably was going to be picking next. And uh, Roger, who who did you? Uh, Well, I mean, I think pretty clearly from my board, if there was a 10th round, I would be picking Ryan Reckley, who is the only player who could possibly be younger than all the people I just was he eligible. That was, I was wondering about that because he hasn't technically signed. He's not technically signed. He won't be an official (laughs) member of the organization until next January. So I I could not pick him uh, when I wanted to. Maybe I'd get Alex. Roger was ready to sneak one over on us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also, uh, one guy who we haven't talked about at all, who I will just give a quick shout out to is Abdiel Lair. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got up to kind of a bang to start the year, then has had a, a long, slow phase. But I, I really do think there's a really athletic talent that can play all over the infield there, uh, who has some power, has a good swing. Uh, if they can unlock it, it's really athletic, good, good body, good baseball body. Um, but I kind of agree with Renzi. The one of the, the if you want to look at future major leaguers, look at look at every organization's relievers, and there's a ton of relief depth in the giant system right now. Wright and Walker, obviously, really good ones. We've already talked about Davich, Marte. Uh, so I'll I'll end by planting my flag uh, next to Joey Marciano. Yes, uh, you got a left-handed reliever who throws 96 and throws strikes with it that's a pretty good chance of being a big leaguer at some point in time. Uh, he has a, you know, very strong two pitch mix out of the, out of the bullpen. He throws strikes with both his, his fastball and his slider. He keeps his velocity up. He can throw multiple innings. Um, 
And there's nothing about Joey Marciano right now that doesn't look like a big league profile to me. Yeah, and the other thing I feel like when I've been watching the Richmond games, obviously I imagine you've caught more than me, Roger, but they've it seems like more often than I was expecting, he was out there for a second inning or he was out there for four or five outs. Um, and, you know, it, it did feel like that second inning work you kind of saw, you know, he has, I think, 10 walks and about like 26 or so innings. I think most of those walks have come in that second inning of work where you do feel like he's, you know, kind of the, the precision isn't quite there to the same degree. Yeah, I think that's been an organizational thing. They seem to be using a lot of their relief pitchers for multiple innings just to get coverage. Mm. Um, he's not the only one. A lot of the other guys in the Richmond pan have come in for two, three-inning stints. Uh, Ronnie Williams throws three, four-inning stints. Even North Godino has been throwing two-inning stints. So I think the Giants are just wanting to do that to kind of build up their pitchers. Uh, and I agree with you. You do kind of see a little degradation of stuff sometimes in the second inning. Um, Marciano is also going through just uh, – he looks like he's got a little bit of a tired arm right now the last couple – outings have have uh, have not been as successful as as crisp as the beginning of the year um but again i mean that's just part of being a the 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 professional workload uh what he's doing on the mound looks like a big leaguer to me definitely you know this is a group of people i think we could we will over the course of this year talk for hours about the giants and their prospects, you know, I think about a lot of those prep picks from the 2019 class, Grant McRae, Garrett Frechette, Trevor McDonald, who we really haven't gotten a chance to see too much of. Frechette struggled at San Jose. McDonald and McRae have been solely at rookie ball. And, you know, um, McRae has been out with his own injury. Um, so none of them get picked here, but they're ones who, uh, you know, a strong two months from them, you know, probably changes how we look at them. As well, I think about Sean Roby, a Juco player who's yeah. struggled a bit as he's he's moved up. No Joe McCarthy pick. I have to admit, you know, there was a part of me that, you know, if Santana <laughs> Yeah, I, I, really, I really thought that someone's going to pick Joe McCarthy because he's having a career year this year. But, uh, I mean, what's going on? Isn't this Joe McCarthy? <laughs> Isn't this Joe McCarthy jump kind of what the Giants, I feel like, are hoping happens with Wyatt, right? Like someone, obviously the injuries with McCarthy are a big part of his story too, but like he's never really tore the cover off the ball, never hit for power, even though there was supposedly potential power there, walked a good amount, kind of posted, you know, middling numbers. And then this year at AAA, he's kind of hitting for power, obviously at a later stage than the Giants will hope with Wyatt. But I feel like that's kind of a, a similar trajectory I think the Giants are kind of hoping for with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I uh, can I can I can I add um can I have a minute good, about talking yeah, about Mason Black, yeah. Mason Black and Norbert Coutinho? Yeah, go uh, for it. I mean, I mean about Coutinho, uh, I think I think there's still there's a potential actually for him to be a big leaguer. He has the stuff to do it because he throws mid nineties up to ninety six with, I mean, pretty good splur and slider. I mean, the strikeout, the strikeout, the swing is strikeout. The swing is strike rate actually is just below twenty percent, which is just ahead of RG Davovich. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I mean, he's he's more controlled than command, but if he can get outs, he can definitely get outs. And with Mason Black, I mean, the third round pick this year, I mean, I can I can ultimately see him as a reliever, but if he at his at his very, very best, I think he's a Blake Trinan type of a player with that hard high 90s sinker and that sweeping mid-80s slider that I think is just pretty uncomfortable with. With hitters, I mean, I mean, we can still see him as a starter, but I can, I can see his future. It's Blake Trinan, oh my God, I think it's, I think he has potential. 
I yeah. think both of them has potential. I heard over on Raj's podcast with Jim Callis that the Mason Black Ray Black comp has already been made. So I, I won't <laughs> oh, repeat that. But, but I do oh, think, no. like, you know, the injuries aside, like I do think this is a guy with a big fastball, and if he ends up in the bullpen, I think you know you're gonna kind of hear about that as well. But before we go on any longer, um, that is Roger Munter, Renzi Regadon, Brian Recca, and Kevin. Cunningham. I uh, am Mark Lukey. This has been the There Are Giants or the Sound the Foghorn or just miscellaneous Giants prospect um, <laughs> podcast. I'm sure you'll see our sh- uh, sharing us on social media and make sure to keep up with all of us in the work we do. Kevin over at Giant Futures, Brian over uh, SF Giant uh, Talk on Twitter at Brian underscore Recca, Renzi and I over at Around the Foghorn and Renzi over at his Patreon and Roger over at his Substack. There are Giants, guys, thank you all for taking the time. I will take no more of it. Uh, We've selected 45 Giants prospects. It's now up for bragging rights and uh, the internet um, to make fun or credit us where our credit is due. So thank you all for joining us this week. Um, As always, until next time, stay safe and have a wonderful time.